is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey, everybody. So this episode is coming out exactly one week after the launch of my very first Be You in Business episode on Supercast. So if you haven't checked it out, head over to bu.supercast.tech and listen to episodes every month where I will talk about being yourself in every aspect of that in business, any business, sales, marketing, not being cookie cutter, not following what everyone else thinks you should do to be successful, not leaving yourself empty, building a successful, thriving business that is profitable, understanding the difference between a hobby and a business. Just because someone is busy does not mean they actually have a business on their hands. And doing that while having plenty of energy and time for you, for hobbies, for activities that light you up, for family and relationships. Healthy boundaries in place, grit present, hustle and grind, only when you say so. So today we are chatting about energetic ties and things that you and I might be holding on to that are not serving us. You know, everything in the past doesn't need to be let go. Not everything from a former life or a former experience that didn't feel good at the time needs to be erased, eradicated, burned. Yet everything from the past holds some sort of emotional charge, something that brings back a memory that is painful or causes us to feel something that's unpleasant, does deserve to be revisited so that we can make peace with it, with ourselves, with the other parties involved, whether it's actually on a phone call with them or just through prayer or energetically. Anything from our past that we are still grieving anything we have resentment around, anger, everything deserves to be processed, revisited. And I invite you to do that and make peace with those experiences. However, not everything needs to be completely severed. So an example might be a past relationship where you might want to hold on to a photo album, or a ring that a past partner gave you, even if there is pain around that relationship, even if you have memories that 
aren't good or you regret, oh, why did I date that person? You don't have to give up every sign of that relationship and pretend it didn't happen. In fact, I personally don't think that's healthy. What I do recommend is processing through that and getting to a place where you can look at those items, those pictures, whatever it is, a memory might come up on Facebook or on your phone and not have that emotional charge around it, not have it take you into a place of resentment or regret or sadness. And if it does, it doesn't last more than a few seconds. You can recognize it and say, oh, thank you for that. I remember where that came from. I've processed this already. I'm good. But there are certain times when it's important for us to completely cut ties. And what came to me as I was thinking about this topic before hitting record was the image of a boat tied up at a dock. And I own the dock. And the boat is there and and on that boat were wonderful, beautiful memories. And I'm grateful for encountering that boat and having the experience with that boat, owning that boat or, you know, using that boat. I don't want to burn the boat down. I don't want to trash the boat. I don't obsess about the boat. I see that it's there and I just walk right past it. But yet there's this feeling that it's time to release the line. It's time to not cut the line, but simply release it from the dock and throw the line back onto the boat and let it sail away. To me, that feels so much better. It feels healthier. Now, yes, if you're like me, there's a part of you that wants to burn that shit down, (laughs) wants to trash the boat, throw a bunch of stuff all over it, light that MFR on fire. But that's the part that needs to be processed. Those are the feelings that need to be looked at. Because that certainly isn't your best self saying that. You also don't want to judge that part of yourself because it's part of you. It's okay to say that. Having some rage and some anger is not unhealthy. And many times it's warranted. So what came to me as I was deciding what to share with you today was an experience I had recently where I decided to completely end a relationship I had with a company and end it in a way that there's there's just no more paper trail, right? There's just no evidence anymore that I'm connected to them. I have memories. I have great memories. I have not so great memories. I have friendships and relationships that are still intact that I want to remain intact. And it's time for me to completely move on. So in this case, if it were an ex, it might be necessary to bury or burn photos, right? Not for everybody. For this relationship with this business, you know, I knew that it needed to happen. So the quick story is that I was partnered with a network marketing direct sales company for 12 and a half, just shy of 13 years. And I had a great relationship with the corporate office, a great relationship with everyone in the field. And I was sort of a darling of the company. You know, I was extremely loyal because that's who I am. Very, very hard worker. I'm a giver um, to a fault, and that doesn't make me a better person. It came from wounding and insecurity. I was a people pleaser. So I really served and overserved that company. I gave a lot. I definitely credit that company and the opportunity with me being able to leave a marriage that I could not have afforded to leave otherwise, leave a career that I no longer felt 
excited about, which was my nursing career. You know, get myself out of debt and eventually make a very, very healthy six-figure income with full health benefits and health insurance for my family. So a lot of great things came out of that experience. Some of my best relationships and best friends that people I still talk with regularly are from the experience with that company. So lots of really, really, really good memories. Yet I still knew at the end of September 2021 that it was time to completely walk away. So I was with that company for quite some time. And, you know, about three or so years ago, things started feeling different. And it's hard to describe it. Just know that things felt different. That company had such a beautiful and strong heartbeat. And I bragged about that all the time. And I, I, it was felt more faint. It got to the point where I couldn't even feel the pulse. And I didn't know what was going on, but something just fell off. My intuition was telling me that something was off. And then I had actual evidence in black and white that something was off. I started asking questions and really praying about this and reevaluating my life and just not feeling excited anymore about what I was doing. Part of that had nothing to do with the company. Part of it was God calling me to do other things, i.e. eventually this podcast that I didn't know I would be doing. But some of it was also that my trust was broken. And trust is so important to me because it's important to everyone, but um, in my childhood, trust was broken. And so it's really important to me that people are honest with me and that I feel safe. And I used to joke that I would entrust my firstborn child, you know, to this company. That's how much trust I had with them. But about three years ago, I started feeling very, very differently to the point where I didn't know that I trusted them with my own business. Like something just didn't feel good. So I started asking questions and doing what I do. I network and I have, I had lots and lots of relationships with colleagues throughout different organizations within the company. And some people tend to sort of stay in their own little pool, but I like to venture out and meet lots of people. So I had relationships in tons of different organizations within that company. And I had also done trainings for tons of organizations within that company. And I was really well known in the company. The company flew me down to their corporate headquarters and had me train their top leaders and train their upcoming leaders. And they asked me questions about what they were doing at upcoming national conventions and conferences and and really trusted me on my opinion. And they celebrated that I was outspoken. And they celebrated the fact that I just said what was on my mind and that I didn't hold back and that I was willing to have uncomfortable conversations and say what people were unwilling to say. I was celebrated in the field by my colleagues and by reps in the field and and also celebrated by corporate until it wasn't. And so there was a point in time when I started talking to my friends, my colleagues saying, are you noticing this? Yeah, I am. Are you noticing that? Yes, I am. Thank you for saying that. Like, I've been wondering if I was crazy. And so I definitely own the fact that I brought that up with several people. And the truth is, all of them echoed the same sentiments. All of them said, yes, me too, me too. I just was afraid to say something. Or some of them would say, well, you say it. I'm afraid to say it. You ask the question. Go into the Facebook group with corporate and you ask the question. And so I learned from that because it's not always a good idea to always be the face of hard questions, right? Instead of empowering other women to use their own voice, you know, I spoke for them, but I certainly did not put words in their mouth. I agreed with their sentiments. And so I would say things like, you know, my friends and I, my colleagues and I are are wondering about this, or what about that? Well, 
it wasn't taken very well. In the past before that, I do think that that company would have welcomed any question whatsoever. I felt like they were an open book. But my first hint about three years ago was when I realized I had more to give outside of the business I had built in network marketing. And people in other companies were asking me for coaching. And so I created a couple of coaching courses. Now people learn how to do coaching courses, right? You can you can take courses on how to build courses. I just did it just from my gut. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I threw together a couple of Facebook groups for 30 days at a time and wrote down some content and we would mastermind together and I would train them on everything personal development and some business, but mostly personal development. And it went really, really, really well. Like I truly had leaders coming to me who had multi-million dollar businesses saying, you know, when is your next one? I want everyone on my, all my leaders on my team to participate. They've really gotten a lot out of it. And so word got out that I was doing that on the side. And my first hint that things had changed at the corporate level was that I got not just one, but two different phone calls asking me and then telling me that I needed to shut that down. And the reason for them asking me to stop doing those courses was that they said that I was, quote, making it look like national marketing director isn't enough. That was the name of the top position in that company at the time. And I said, well, here's the thing. One, what if it's not enough? Like, what if I'm just multi-passionate and I want to do more? And what if growing this business, which it has, has opened me up and grown me so much that I have more to give and I'm excited to do that? And what if what I'm teaching is actually going to help your business, which it would, and help people be better with your company? This isn't teaching them how to leave your company. This is teaching them how to be better at it and, and be more successful. And I'm getting such great feedback. And again, I was told, but you can't. Now, I was always told, and if you're in network marketing or direct sales, you may have been told this, that I was the CEO of my own business, that I owned my own business. I built the whole team myself. I attracted all the customers myself, did all the customer care, did all the team trainings myself, created systems myself that really I think should have been created by the company, but they just didn't have them in place. They had really, really, really slow and sort of dinosaur-like technology, and I just worked around that and built a really successful multi-million dollar business with a thriving team with lots of stickiness and team chemistry and really had a good thing going. And when I started doing this coaching and they told me I couldn't do it anymore, it really knocked the wind out of my sails because I was thinking of this podcast right now being me. You know, I was excavating the real me and walking into the world as her and they were telling me, you're too much. You're too much. Sit down and be quiet. Instead of celebrating that and saying, Jill, we're so proud of you because I actually would credit network marketing for me being able to do it. For me, having the personal development experience that it took to build that business to get me to the place where I could teach personal development for the time and financial freedom that was created by that business to be able to teach these courses. So I always gave them credit. They never participated in the courses. They didn't really know what I was teaching. But what they didn't like was that they felt that I was saying that top, top leadership with their company wasn't enough and that that I was told, you know, people tend to listen to you and follow you. And I said, well, yeah, that's because I'm honest. That's because I don't hold back from the uncomfortable. I bear it all. I don't brag about myself to people. I tell them all the flaws. When you have me up on your stage in front of 8,000 people, I told them the truth. And that was that I had just ironed my dress five minutes ahead of time. And I was literally still writing down what I was going to say as I walked on the stage. That's why they trust me. 
And they said, well, we need you to stop. You can't do this anymore. And, and if you continue, it'll be considered just a disruption in the field. Well, a disruption in the field in network marketing and direct sales is grounds for termination. And I was terrified. You know, I couldn't afford to lose that business, nor did I want to. I loved what I did. Yes, I was feeling itchy to do other things. And yes, I was questioning the corporate office and some things I was seeing, but I certainly didn't want to lose my job, my, my business. And I made great money too and had health insurance. And so it scared me. So I complied. And I literally shut down a course that I had already started collecting money for and had to tell people that it was closed. I compromised with the company by saying that no one from that company was allowed to participate so that I could finish teaching a course that I was already in the middle of. That's how strongly they felt about it. And it was really unfortunate and it still makes me sad. It it just reflects the scarcity mindset that they have. But that was the start of it. And after that, I talked to a few other leaders who reached out to me and said, hey, I heard your courses got shut down. Mine did too. And uh, I talked to a leader who I would say was like Sally Sunshine. I mean, she was like the chosen one for that company. I thought that they thought she walked on water. And she's like, yeah, I stopped paying attention to them five years ago. And I said, what do you mean? And she's like, they did the same thing to me. And they actually took credit for something I created. And I just, I can't do it anymore. So I just collect my check and I live my life and I'm done. And I was like, wow, that's kind of sad. So as I started looking at, you know, Jill, what do you want to do with your life? You want to write a book, but when are you going to really do that? Like, what else could you do? So I started looking around on Instagram. I was very unfamiliar with the world of Instagram. It's funny now what I see, but back then I was clueless. I lived in this bubble. And a lot of us in that company did where we didn't have anyone from that company, anyone, anyone who had a strong following on social media where we could like go to them and follow them. You know, people from other companies like Isagenix and Beachbody and other companies had those leaders, but we didn't. And so I didn't even know to be looking. And I really believe that it was just divine intervention that I happened to be on Instagram and I happened to find someone named Angie Lee. If you don't follow Angie Lee, I would suggest checking her out. She is just a ball of energy, so funny, so authentic, and she's not affiliated with any particular company whatsoever. She is a personal development hype girl. (laughs) She's hysterical. I think she's a comedian uh, without being paid to be a comedian extremely motivating, inspiring, creative. And I loved all of her content so much. And I noticed on her story one day, Instagram story, that she was attending and actually going to speak at something called Powerhouse Women. I didn't know what that was. Powerhouse Women was created by someone named Lindsay Schwartz. And I looked at that event and I was like, oh man, I need to be there. These are the kind of people I want to surround myself with. Oh my gosh, I'm so attracted to this. So I ended up messaging Lindsay Schwartz when I saw that she was creating something called a mastermind. And I didn't know what that was. I mean, I know what it means to mastermind, but I had never been a part of that. Now, it's funny because every time I turn around, I meet someone like, you know, you heard Kelly Brock, who I just had on the show, you know, who says that they are in masterminds with other women who are in the online space. Well, I was clueless. I didn't know it existed. So I said, what is it? And she told me and I put down $7,500 and joined a six-month mastermind. It was more money than I felt like I could afford to spend. It was more money than I felt like I should spend on something that made no sense to me. But in my gut, it made sense. And we've talked about that before, right? In my heart and in my gut, I was being called to do it. So I did it. So I jumped without a net, not knowing if a net would ever appear. 
and put the money down. And it was an amazing experience. I had such a great experience because I was connected to women that I would have never met without Lindsay. Lindsay is the one who connected me to Tracy O'Malley, the Enneagram expert you have heard on here, who then connected me to Tiffany Carter. Lindsay is the one who told me when I said, look, I need a coach. I've never had a coach and I want someone who's going to like kick my ass. She's like Kayla Craft. So that's how I met Kayla Craft. And you heard Kayla on our very first episode of BU. If you haven't, go back and listen to that. And then Kayla is the reason I met Steph Safandos and later Christine Hassler and the founders of Elementum and Steph became our marriage coach, et cetera, et cetera. Why am I telling you all that? Because this is where it started, where I was learning that I wanted to be myself, but I was too afraid, which leads to my episode topic today of eventually needing to cut ties and let go. So when I was in that mastermind and I later found Kayla Craft and Tracy O'Malley, I started asking questions because they were in network marketing and their answers blew my mind. Like you could have knocked me over with a feather. I came right out and said, all right, how much do you make? The numbers that they told me, I thought, well, you're unicorns. Then I said, how much do people on your team make? Oh, that's kind of a coincidence that they're all unicorns also. How much do people on their teams make? Whoa, more unicorns. Interesting. Then I asked them, how many people in your company make $100,000 a year or more? And they told me immediately. In fact, I was able to find it on the company website. When I went back to the company I had been partnered with for 13, almost 13 years, who I had an amazing relationship with, as I already explained. And I said, kind of a weird random question. I was talking to someone from another company and she asked me a question. I didn't know the answer. How many people in our company make six figures a year or more, $100,000 a year or more? And I was told, and I quote, that's not a question you should be asking. Someone who is a man um, in the industry at that company who has a huge business probably makes, I don't even know, almost a million dollars a year. He's been in the company for, I don't know, 30 years. I messaged him privately because I thought, well, heck, the company won't tell me, but you should know. And he told me, whoever's asking you that question needs to learn how to ask better questions. And I said, wait, so I don't, I can't get the answer. And he said, no. And that's when I knew something was off. He wouldn't tell me The corporate office wouldn't tell me and they told me I shouldn't ask. They told me that if they told me that answer that they could be liable for X, Y, or Z. And that might be true. But I said to them, look, you know me. Just tell me off the record. I'm not going to put on Facebook. I'm not going to tell my team, but I deserve to know. I've been with you this long and I'm one of your top leaders. I'm in the top, what, one half percent? Nope. They just said, just know it's a lot. So I started asking around and I didn't find very many people who said yes. Some of my friends who I thought had bigger businesses than mine because they were getting awards that I wasn't getting, because they were being put on stages. And I asked them, hey, will you just tell me, like, what do you make? And I was floored, floored. I was making more money per month. And that's how you measure it in network marketing, by the way, monthly income. I was making more money than all of my friends who were also at the top. Now, there were people who had been in the business for 20, 25 years that were making more than us, but they were telling me that their checks were not growing either. I said, when did they stop growing? And they said, I don't know, about a year or so ago. So I looked back and realized around four years ago or so, that's when things started becoming more stagnant. That's also when a lot of us felt like we lost trust. 
And then I figured out that it's because the company was acquired by an equity group. That's not a bad thing, by the way. My husband's company was just acquired. Companies do not acquire or purchase failing companies. <laughs> so this equity group bought this company because it was a company that they really saw a lot of potential in and the company was doing well. So it's not a bad thing. But the problem is that I remembered that there was a meeting with top leaders and someone from the corporate office told us that they were not acquired, that that was a rumor, that they were just invested in because this equity group saw so much promise. Well, then my friend sitting next to me Googled it and saw that they actually, the equity group actually owned 52% controlling interest, which means they did own us. And so that was another thing that caused me great concern. Really did not feel good to see that. I still had no intention of leaving, by the way. I just started asking questions. It's almost like a kid who says, it's so weird. I noticed that my mom only puts lipstick on when she leaves the house at five o'clock on Thursday. Or I noticed that my mom and dad tend to argue more than before. That's interesting. (laughs) And then they ask the question and the mom says, I don't know what you're talking about. Go play with your toys. That's how it felt to me. So when that started happening and I started finding out how much money people were making in other companies, and I realized that the promises that were being made to us about the technology advancing weren't even close to happening when they said they would. My husband had an inside scoop because he had a friend who actually had inside information about that. And he shared with us that it's so far off, you have no idea. I mean, it's it's not even close to what they're telling you. And even that didn't cause me to want to leave because I thought, whatever, I built a big business and without the technology being great, I mean, this is a people business, so who cares? So after that, what started happening is that the combination of me feeling like things were not what they seemed and me asking questions caused the company to respond in a way that caused me to lose even more trust and to ask more questions. So, for example, I would ask a question in a Facebook group that was only for top leaders and corporate would remove my questions or my comments and then message me and tell me that wasn't appropriate to ask. Well, hold on, we're in a leadership forum. I I should be able to ask anything. And I would ask other leaders, am I crazy? And they're like, no, that's ridiculous. We should be able to ask questions like that. So there were a few top people in the company who had been there like 80 years who were in the ear of corporate, who I really believe did not like the younger leaders like me asking questions that they didn't want to have answered. And so the only answer was to put a muzzle on me. You know, let's censor her. Let's put a muzzle on her, which is much of what we're seeing right now in cancel culture. And it's so funny because a lot of them preach about or against cancel culture and they were canceling people like me. (laughs) So everything I asked really did come from a good place because, again, I had no intention of leaving. I wanted to make it better. I was trying to improve the company and I'm a truth teller and I'm a truth seeker and I'm not afraid. A lot of people I worked with were afraid to ask questions. And I said, well, I'm not afraid. What are they going to do? Well, little did I know. And so we would have conversations and then I would go and ask the questions. So this went on for quite some time. And during that time, also, my friends and I, nobody's businesses were growing, no matter what we did. It was just very lackluster. No one had any excitement for the business anymore. We just knew we were in a bad spot. But truly, what I believed was, look, leaders ride things out. It's not always going to be up, up, up. You're going to have times where it's tough. And this was simply a tough time. And I truly believed in the company enough at its core that I was going to ride it out. 
And many of us were frustrated, but we just did other things that made us happy. And we, you know, continued to keep our teams excited. And, and we just sort of decided to ride that wave. Well, after a while, which was probably now about two years from recording this episode, so two years ago, two years in the past, everything I just shared slowly got progressively worse. Nothing was awful, but nothing was getting better. And you start hearing the same story from more people. More leaders were saying, oh my God, my team, I can't keep trying to motivate people when I don't even know if I believe anymore. I mean, I'm not making any more money. No one's getting promoted. Like we have people now who have been brought in from other companies who are like killing our team culture with this company. And I just, I don't believe in the leadership. This just doesn't feel the same to me anymore. And so people started talking about, well, what if I went to a different company? So a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was a colleague. And I never thought I would leave, but I did start looking around. I, I nosed around at a company called Beauty Counter because I love their products. They, I use them every day, by the way. All their skincare and all their makeup, I love it. And there were some things I didn't like, not about the company, but just about the compensation plan and the way it worked. It just wasn't for me. And I spoke to a friend and she's like, Jill, I've already looked at other companies too. And I said, are you kidding me? Now, before then, no one would have said something like that. Like it would have been blasphemy. We would have laughed in the face of someone who said they were going to leave because we really were in utopia. We felt like we were like in, you know, Disney World on steroids. And it was just like we were in the bubble of all bubbles and we didn't want to leave. It was warm and fuzzy and amazing. And it was just raining glitter and sunshine and rainbows all the time. So with no intention of ever ever actually leaving, I did start thinking more about, you know, I'm feeling this nudge to do something else. Clearly things are not changing here. I'm meeting all these women in this mastermind and meeting these other people. And I just am pretty sure I'm not going to end up doing this forever. Like I think things are changing. And in that process, you know, I was having these conversations with friends of mine and, and I certainly was unfiltered. You know, I was not holding back about my frustration about things that were driving us bananas, certain leaders in the company who were just not what we thought they were. And, and we just weren't happy. And at one point, a friend of mine reached out and said, well, I know I'm the last person you would ever expect to leave. But I'm actually going and I already know where I'm going. And I really was floored. I mean, I was the rebel, right? She was like Snow White and Cinderella combined. And (laughs) when she told me she was leaving, I was like, okay, the world is ending officially. So she told me where she was going. And I told her five different times, not interested at all. No, thanks. I'm going to go out and write a book and you have fun, but I will never start over in direct sales or network marketing. I just won't. She's like, well, it's different. It's called social retail. It's not the same thing. She said, would you look at it? And I said, sure. Well, I looked and I saw why she was excited. It just made total sense to me. It just, for so many reasons, just, it looked like the answer to all of our problems. And I ended up making the decision not to partner with that company. But what happened was someone in those conversations decided to share a confidential message that I made where I was sharing my frustration with the company I was with and a certain leader in the company at the corporate office. And I was talking about the idea of wanting to leave. I said something like, you know, I think by the end of this year, which would have been 2020, I'm going to go off and write a book and do other things. I just, this just isn't for me anymore. So this was, you know, after they shut down my coaching programs and essentially told me I was too much and I couldn't be myself. 
this was after they were censoring me and taking comments off of Facebook and out of Voxer and, and telling me that I asked too many questions and asking me to ask any of my questions that looked like concern privately to the corporate office. This was after I found out that they were acquired when they told us that they were not. This is after I found out how much money friends were making in other companies, which was about 10 times what I was making, and my business was just as big. This was after I found out that my colleagues in the company also were frustrated, not feeling that they could trust the company, and their paychecks were not going up. So with all of that combined, as they say on Shark Tank, I'm out. But all those things combined, I just thought, you know, I think this is it for me. And I thought I would probably leave by the end of December of 2020. And I got a phone call from someone very high up at the corporate office. Actually, he sent a text to my husband, which was so insulting to me because I'm the one who built this business. And then I built a second business under my husband, which was allowed. But it was my business. My husband had nothing to do with the business. I just built it under his name. And this this male in the corporate office didn't say anything to me. He had my phone number. He sent a text to my husband. You and Jill need to be on the phone at this time. Actually, Jill needs to be on the phone at this time. And he gave me a verbal warning because there was a Zoom call and I was asking questions and he thought they were disrespectful and they were not appropriate. It's funny because there were several of us asking the same questions and they were pretty appropriate. He just didn't want to have to answer the questions. And so he scolded me pretty firmly and he made me agree that my husband and I would never again comment on any Zoom call that I would never again comment on a Voxer chat or in a Facebook group, and that I would just basically put my head down and be quiet. And I said, yes. Now, that doesn't sound like me, does it? But again, I didn't want to lose my benefits. I didn't want to lose my income, and I didn't want to be in trouble. I knew that what I was saying and the way I was behaving was coming through the filter of integrity and love. I, I really do know that. But I also knew that it was rubbing in the wrong way, and I didn't want to leave on bad terms. And so I did. I did exactly what they asked me to do. Exactly. Well, two weeks later, there was another text sent from that top corporate VP to my husband again, not to my phone, to my husband's, and that said that the both of us needed to be on a phone call the very next day. And I messaged someone from the corporate office who's very high up, and that person said to me, it does not look good. I don't know what to say. But just know that I appreciate you and I'm sorry this is happening. And I thought, oh my gosh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. And they did. This person told my husband and I very firmly and very quickly that we were both terminated from the company. This is a business that I was told for years that I owned, that I was the CEO of, that I owned the business myself. That was my being naive. It was my fault for believing that and not actually looking into it. So if you're in that industry, understand that you don't really own your own business. And he let me know not just that that was my last day with the company, didn't thank me for all my years of service, didn't thank me for my hard work, didn't thank me for all the innovation and the creation that I helped them with, um, firmly told me two things that I will never forget. One, you have more enemies in this company than friends and fans, which I knew wasn't true. And you ready for this? No one wants to hear what you have to say. It's time for you to go. Fast forward, five months after that, I had a top 100 podcast where apparently I found out that a lot of people wanted to hear what I had to say. (laughs) Anyway, it really was pretty painful. I would say brutal. 
I still think it's a gift though. And I'll tell you why in a second. So why am I telling you all that? I actually had no intention of sharing that today. And that, that is the truth. But I decided to just let myself go there because I'm talking to you about cutting ties. After that, you would have thought I would want to burn that boat to the ground. Well, I did. I wanted to. (laughs) I was very angry and very hurt. A lot of top leaders in the company called the company and complained that I was terminated. Um, They were shocked. They were scared for themselves and for their leaders. And the women who were my mentors in the business called Upline, that's the lingo in network marketing, also called and begged the company not to move forward with that decision. And at some point, I realized, you know what? It's okay. Stop asking. I need to go. They are right that I need to go. It is time to go. And after about a week, I received a message where I was strongly encouraged to change my story. And the reason I'm allowed to say this to you now is because after 12 months of a non-compete, non-disclosure agreement, I can say the truth. And the truth is that I was fired. And I can tell you the, the way I was fired, which I just shared. But the sad thing is that on the phone call when I was terminated, this person said to me, so what do you want us to tell people? And I said, how about the truth? And he said, well, I didn't think you'd want people to know that, I mean, you were terminated. And I said, well, one, they're going to find out. The truth always comes out. And two, I have nothing to hide. I have a lot of faults, but you know I'm an open book. So that's fine. I don't care if people know that. I also knew that there would be people that wouldn't like that. <laughs> and he said, okay, as long as you're okay with it. Well, then the complaints started coming. And I had random you know, people in the field who I didn't even personally know who were emailing the company complaining because I was liked and trusted and I had given so much and people loved having me in the business. So that's when I got the um, notification that I was not allowed to tell the truth. I was supposed to tell people that I left of my own accord, is that how I said? And they said, the reason that's true is because we heard your voicemail where you were saying that you were going to do something else starting in December. And I said, yeah, but we both know that that's not how this went down. What if I would have changed my mind? I was just having a private conversation with someone who I thought was a friend and had no idea she would be sending it to you. Anyway, so I had to change my story and not tell people what really, really, really went down. And here I am a year later. And all that time, even though they purchased my business, and my husband's business from me. What many people don't know is that I actually retained my customer base. That's a business where you don't have a lot of customers, by the way. Some of you in the field will be, will be shocked when I tell you I had like 68 customers. Some of you have 10,000 customers. That's a different business model. In the business model I was in, you only want about 40, 50, 75 customers at most, and then you build a huge organization. So anyway, I retained my status as a representative. Most people did not knew that. In fact, no one knew that. And what did that do? That allowed me to keep purchasing the products at a huge discount, and it allowed me to collect a paycheck. It was only $750 a month, but that's what gets to the point of this podcast today. Why did I want to hold on to that? Because of my ego. Because my ego was saying, you're not going to take everything. You are not going to take everything from me. You tried to take my reputation. You tried to take my dignity. You tried to ruin all my relationships. You tried to shut down my passion projects and my coaching on the side. You lied about me and to me, but you're not going to take my customers and you're not going to take my little paycheck I get from them. I made a lot more money from my organization, my team, right? But my, it was me digging my heels in. And I was super grateful because I have a beloved person at the company who actually offered to let me have that. But down deep, even if he hadn't, I would have tried to fight for it. 
about, I would say, the end of June of this year. This is why MBU, we talk so much about centering yourself, being grounded, you know, cleaning out the basement, getting rid of the stinky sandwich in the crevices of the basement. We talk about releasing trauma, you know, forgiveness work. Because when you and I do that, when we need to, we can think very clearly and we can hear God's messages. We can hear the voice of our truest and highest self very, very clearly. Now, when you're triggered and angry, you don't, you don't hear shit. You only hear your own stuff. So I, I, trust me, I had two weeks of only hearing my own ego. But when I was able to get back down to that quiet, that, that voice of love, I was able to start doing some forgiveness work around the person who fired me, the person in leadership who made sure I was fired, the you know people who had been in the business 25, 30 years who are called founders, the two of them who wanted me gone and wanted me to wear a muzzle, et cetera. I may have a little punch in my voice right now, but just know that I, I truly have forgiven them, right? Because they were acting out of pain and out of fear. I scared them. I threatened them. Because they knew that people were listening to me and they knew I had a trusted, loyal following and they knew I was onto something and they didn't know what else to do. And I actually get it. If I were in their shoes, I would have done the same thing. No, you wouldn't have. Well, yes, I would have because I would have been in their shoes, right? So I actually do forgive them. But for a year, I collected that paycheck. So every month I got around $750. That's a lot of money, right? Some of you make a lot of money and have a lot of money. You think that's nothing. Well, I made a lot of money too. But $750 is still a lot of money. It can get you a lot. So I collected that check every month and got my nice discount on my products, which I still love, by the way. I still love their products. And something happened at the end of September. I was sitting at my computer and that voice came through so clearly that said, it's time to let it go. Wait, what? Let what go? I've already let all that go. I've forgiven. I've moved on. I have my podcast. I No. It's time to really let it go. It's time to untie the boat, throw the rope back, and release it out to sea. Let it go. And within, I don't know, 10 seconds of that, I didn't question that voice. I got on my email. I emailed two people at corporate. And I said, thank you so much for my experience. At the end of this business month, June of 2021, I would like you to cancel my membership, distributorship, and I will just be a customer. Thank you very much. And they, by the way, he was super kind. This was someone else. Super kind. Thanked me for my years there. And love you, Tom. And as soon as I sent that email, I just went, oh, just that. That release, I could feel, I could feel the tie. I could just feel it letting go. Why is that important? When you and I are holding on to something the way I was holding on to it, I wasn't just walking down the dock and glancing at the boat as I said I was. It was actually, the rope was actually tied around my ankle. I didn't know it because I'm loving my life and I have this podcast. I have all of you. I don't need that anymore. I am so much happier doing this and being in my lane here. But yet I had this connection that I didn't even know was there. And when I released it and thought I was releasing it from the dock, it was actually from my own ankle. And when it floated away, I just felt like I could fly away. 
with peace, without anger anymore. Subconsciously, I was still feeling some resentment because it was still cutting away at my ankle. That rope was cutting away at my ankle and I could feel it and it was itchy and I didn't like the way it felt, but I didn't know it was there. It was invisible. And once I was able to let that go, all of the resentment went with it. I thought you weren't resentful anymore. I didn't think I was either, but it really did go away. And I'm so free now. I feel so good. And so that was before the non-compete had expired. It felt good to just make the decision. I don't need this check anymore. I don't need these customers anymore. You can have them. I'm done. I'm done. I've moved on and I'm moving on. When you let that boat go, only then can something else come and fill its space on the dock. It's only when that boat is gone and that space is available that something else, and in fact, something more beautiful, more appropriate, more fitting, better, can come in there. Maybe you go from a dinghy to a sailboat. Maybe you go from a sailboat to a speedboat. Maybe you go from a speedboat to a yacht. It can't happen unless you let it go and you free that space up. So ask yourself, is there anything that I'm holding on to that isn't serving me? Is it fueling the fire of resentment, of anger, of unpleasant memories? Do I just need to make peace with the person or the memories, write a letter, or do I need to actually physically get rid of an object that has energy in my home? You know, everything is made of energy, everything. And everything vibrates at a certain frequency. And we only attract things of the same frequency. And so if you have things around you that are vibrating at a low frequency, while you're trying to vibe high, that's going to affect you. My hairstylist told me that even our hair holds energy and memories. Yes, that's why you feel different when you cut six inches off your hair. It's not just because there's less weight, right? It's because of the energy. So what do you deserve, not need, what do you deserve to let go of? What do you deserve to release? What is cutting away at your ankle or tugging at your ankle that you don't even realize is there? <laughs> 